We're reading today from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. You've got the words over there on my left. And in your service outline, I think you've got the words there as well. So let's read all about the reason for this hope. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. We're going to skip now to verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet and while they still did not believe it was because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of all these things. I'm going to send you with what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Looking at 1 Peter now, chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
Thanks, David, and good morning, everyone. My name is Mark. If we haven't met, it's great to be with you all this morning. Happy Easter to everyone. Now, hope is an important thing, isn't it? Now, when you think about it, we're always hoping for things, aren't we? I'm sure right now there are, there are things that we're all hoping for at this, at this moment. Maybe good health, maybe some good wins at work this week, maybe a short sermon this morning. I'll see, see how I go with that one. And there are probably things that you're looking forward to that are giving you hope as well. Holidays, got school holidays coming up. Uh, time with family, Easter eggs today. Uh, perhaps some of the things that were mentioned in the video a few moments ago are things that you're hoping for as well. Maybe you're worried about something and you're hoping that it's gonna turn out okay. Or you're going through a difficult time and you're hoping that it will end. Or things are tough for you right now and you feel a bit hopeless. Well, here's a question just to get us started, and we'll, we'll come back to this a bit later on. What is it that you're hoping for most? More than anything else in the world, what are you hoping for the most? Now, it's good to have things in life that give us hope, but we do have to be careful because I want to gently suggest that ev almost everything that we hope for falls into at least one of three categories. It may not happen, it may not be good, and it may not last. But Easter alone gives us a hope that's different to that. A hope that is certain, it's good, and it's unending. So firstly, Easter gives us a certain hope. Because it's a hope that's grounded in reality. Now, we've all hoped for things that haven't ended up happening, haven't we? And you know, sometimes it's not a huge deal. I, I hope that the Crows win the Premiership this year, but I'm, I'm not going to be up here crying if <laughs> come October they haven't. Uh, perhaps you've been let down, though, by a hope that you've placed a bit more weight in than that. Maybe it's the hope of landing a particular job. Maybe it's the hope of the perfect family life that you dreamt of. Maybe the, the hope of being healed of something. The sort of hope that hurts when it doesn't turn out. Well, the hope that Easter gives us is grounded not in wishful thinking or, or even in high probability, but it's grounded in fact where we've just read from Luke's gospel that David's read from. And right at the start of Luke's gospel, if we rewind right, right back to the first few verses, we find out that Luke, who writes the letter, is a detailed historian. He's carefully investigated everything that's been said about Jesus so that we may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. Now, on Good Friday, a couple of days ago, we heard that Jesus was crucified. His body was laid in a tomb. He's dead and buried. That's a fact that Luke wants us to know. But then the women arrive and they find the stone has been rolled away. They're told by two angels that Jesus isn't here. He's alive. He's risen. They go back and they tell this to the disciples who, of course, think that this sounds like nonsense. Peter's not so sure though. He, he goes to the tomb to have a look and he sees that indeed the stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty. And then later, as we heard in the reading, Jesus appears to his disciples. He shows them his, his hands and his feet. He shows them the nail marks. Even then, they doubt it because this is so incredible. Dead people don't rise. He has to eat fish to prove to them that he's alive. Now, perhaps your response to the news of Jesus' resurrection is similar to how the disciples responded. You think, it's nonsense. It's unbelievable. It can't have happened. And I get that, but, but I'd also say that if you limit God 
to what you think is humanly and scientifically possible, well, you don't have much of a God left at the end of that. The whole point of the resurrection is that God has done something extraordinary that we need to take notice of. Most historians will tell you that Jesus was a real person who was crucified, just as the Bible says. But Luke wants us to see that the resurrection is an equally historical fact with just as much significance. And there are compelling reasons to believe it as well. Firstly, if Luke was trying to to come up with a fictional narrative that, that people would believe, he wouldn't have included women as witnesses because women's testimony wasn't accepted as being reliable in that time and culture. That's just the way things were back then. Uh, the disciples would also, I reckon, have wanted to make themselves look a bit more intelligent and a bit less, a bit less untrusting. So they would have persuaded Luke to, to put them in a bit of a better light in the narrative, to make them sound like they believed it all along. And of course, the big reason to think that all of this is true is that the disciples who saw Jesus raised were changed from that day onwards. As witnesses of the, of the resurrection, they, they went out telling people that Jesus had risen, he was alive, and they, they risked and they lost their lives in the process because they knew this was true. They knew that they hadn't gone to the wrong tomb, the body hadn't been stolen, they hadn't just imagined it all. It was real. And so the best explanation for what happened that day, as extraordinary as it may seem, is that Jesus was actually raised from the dead. And so Easter gives us real hope because it's grounded in real events. And Easter also gives us a good hope because it's part of the good plan of a good God. Now, maybe you've had the experience of hoping for something or looking forward to something, um, but when it happens, it's not as good as you expected. Not as good as you expected. Maybe it's a job that turns out to be less fulfilling than you thought it would. A holiday where everything seems to go wrong. I'm sure we've all had one of those. A marriage that's less joyful and harder work than you expected. A retirement with less spare time than you anticipated. Well, the resurrection of Jesus, it wasn't just a real event. It was part of God's plan all along. His plan to bring us back to him, just as we were meant to be. How do we know that? Well, As Jesus tells his disciples, it's in the Old Testament. His resurrection fulfills what is written about in the the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, the the Old Testament of the Bible. Now, the disciples would have known the Old Testament, but Jesus now opens up their minds to truly understand it, to see how it all fits together and points to Jesus dying for sins, being raised back to life, and this awesome news being proclaimed to all the world. A few weeks later, when Peter preaches to thousands of people at Pentecost, he'll quote Psalm 16, verse 10 in the Old Testament, where King David writes, You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. And he will tell the crowds, This makes no sense if David is dead and buried, unless David is prophesying about a descendant of his, who God will raise from the dead, Jesus. Now, we might ask, why does it matter that Jesus was raised? Does it it really matter that Jesus was raised? Surely, 
him dying for sins was the most important part. Surely Good Friday is the, the big weekend, the big day of Easter, and Easter Sunday is just the, the cherry on the top, if you like. Did Jesus actually have to be raised? Well, one reason is that the resurrection validates Jesus' death. It shows us this was no ordinary person who died. This was God's son. But that's not all. Because Jesus was raised, he's beaten death. He's paved the way to eternal life. He's shown that there is existence after death for all of us. Uh, there are passages in the Old Testament that really only make sense in light of Jesus being raised back to life and providing a path for life after death. Um, so Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, those who sleep shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting shame. Isaiah 26, 19, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. Psalm 49, 15, God will redeem my life from the grave. These passages and others, they point us to the resurrection hope. They only make sense because Jesus has beaten death. And so we can see how good God is to us. He made us in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, to, to live with him, to enjoy his awesome presence. And even though people turned away from him and, and we deserve death, his plan all along was to provide a way for us to come back to him, a way that we could never have achieved for ourselves, to have our sins forgiven, to have the hope of new life with him, a good hope, a hope beyond death, a hope that won't disappoint us because we were made for it. Now, even when you've been on the, the best camp or the, the best holiday, there's something special, isn't there, about coming back to your own home, sleeping in your own bed. There's a feeling of comfort and safety and, and familiarity of being home. And it gives us just the tiniest hint of the hope that Easter gives us. A hope that is good. A hope beyond death. A hope that is good because it's part of God's good plan for us to share a new life with him just as we were created for. So hope that is certain. Hope that is good. And thirdly, hope that will last. Now we know what it is to, to hope in things that don't last, don't we? Um, holidays end, friendship groups change, good health deteriorates, loved ones die, and ultimately we'll all die as well. Only Easter provides us with a hope that truly lasts because it's a hope that goes beyond this earthly lifetime. Uh, we had a short reading from the, the letter of 1 Peter, which was written by the same Peter who ran to the empty tomb that morning. And he begins the letter with a reminder of this hope. Peter is writing to Christians who are scattered and persecuted around the known world at that time. And, and he reminds them that through Jesus' resurrection, they have new birth into a living hope. They have an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. No matter what struggles they face in life, they have a hope that will last forever. The new life with God that we're promised, it, it won't just be glorious. It will never end, ever. You've probably at some time either sung or heard the song Amazing Grace, quite a, quite a well-known song. 
And there are words in that last verse that go like this. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. This is a hope that will never end. Now, it's not a hope that solves all of our problems in this lifetime, but it puts them in perspective, that's for sure. That said, it is a hope that changes how we live and think right now. I've been to enough funerals to to have observed that there's a huge difference in how people grieve depending on what they think comes after death. Goodbye forever and goodbye for now, they're two very different things to say to a loved one. And only Easter can give us real hope to say the second one, goodbye for now. So we have hope that is certain, hope that is good, and hope that is everlasting. And for that reason, it's a hope worth knowing, worth sharing, and worth clinging to. Now, if you're here this morning and you, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, perhaps you're, you're here because it's Easter, or you're, or you're here with family, or just checking church out, can I ask, if we come back to that first question of, of what it is that you're hoping for, does what you're hoping for compare with this? Is it as certain, is it as good, and is it as everlasting as what Easter offers us? Because if your hope is resting in anything else, well, you're being ripped off. There is a better offer available. And if you're someone here who loves and follows Jesus, is the resurrection of Jesus the thing that gives you the most hope? Or are there other things that that excite you more or give you a bit more of a sense of fulfillment? Now, of course, it's not bad to hope in other things. God gives us lots and lots of good things. He wants us to enjoy them. We, We have lots of things that are good gifts from God. But when you stop and think about it, when you stop for a moment and think, what is it that gives me hope? What would I be lost without? What is it that I, that I think about when I have nothing else to think about? Is it the hope that Easter brings? The living hope of Jesus' resurrection and the unfading inheritance that he's secured for us? Is it that? Or is it being popular? Is it getting good grades? Is it the things we own? Is it work and career progression? Is it money? Is it our reputation? Is it our family? Now, now those are all good things, and it's, it's great if those things give you some hope and enjoyment in life. But I hope that it's Easter that gives you the most hope in your heart. And if we know that there's no greater hope than what Jesus' death and resurrection bring us, well, we're going to want everyone to know this hope, aren't we? Because anyone whose hope isn't in Jesus is hoping for something that's going to let them down. It's going to fail them. And so they need to know the one true hope. Now, maybe for whatever reason, you're just feeling hopeless right now. It might be that the things you've been hoping for, they haven't happened, or they've turned out badly, or they haven't lasted or some combination of those things. Easter not only gives us hope, but it shows us that there's really only one thing worth putting our hope in. There's only one hope that won't let us down, one hope that's real, one hope that's good, one hope that's forever, one hope that won't fail us, even though everything else does. 
And that's the living hope that God has given us by raising Jesus from the dead. The hope that was part of God's plan all the way from the beginning, proven through the real event of the resurrection, proclaimed by the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. The hope of the eternal life with God that we were created to enjoy. An inheritance that can't perish, though everything in this world does. The hope of the life with God that we were made to enjoy. Happy Easter. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for the hope of Easter. We give you great thanks that Jesus came down to earth as a man, that he lived the perfect life, that he died for our sins, and that he was raised back to life by your power. We thank you that because of this, we don't need to wonder what comes after death, but we know that there is sure hope. There is hope that is real, there is hope that is good, and there is hope that will last forever. Please help us to build our lives on this hope, to proclaim this hope, to rest in this hope, to cling to this hope when all other hopes fail, to never lose sight of this hope even when, when other hopes seem so big. Please help us to keep hoping in you. Amen.